Turn in your Bible to 1 Kings chapter 18 this morning. 1 Kings 18. I'm going to tell y'all where I'm at so you can feel sorry for me. You ever had one side of your head completely stopped up? No, I mean the, sh- the, the ocean wave in it. Shh. Okay. So this side's doing that. This side sounds like I'm screaming at you. So if I'm loud, y'all just like cup your ears. No, no, you don't do it because y'all will play with me. Y'all will mess with me. So, but I, I want you to know that even if I look or sound a little off, my mind's working good. So pray for your pastor this morning that whatever's in this ear will fix itself. So, First Kings 18, beginning with verse 41. If you're there, say amen. If you're on the screen, say amen. As long as you brought your Bible, you can be on the screen, but you have to bring your Bible. And Elijah said to King Ahab, get up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of the abundance of rain. And so Ahab went up to eat and drink and Elijah went to the top of Carmel and he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, go up now and look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, there's nothing And he said, go again seven times. And each time he come back, there's nothing. It's nothing. And verse 44 says, it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. And Elijah said, go up and say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and get down so that the rain stop you not. And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and wind and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel and the hand of the Lord was on Elijah and he girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. And just three scriptures, James 5, 16 through 18. It ought to be on your screen here. James 5, 16 through 18. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Mark this in your Bible. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous person availeth much. Elijah was a person subject to like passions, just like you are. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the earth by the space of three and a half years. And he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth brought forth her fruit. Elijah was a man like you are and like I was and like I am. When I first read that as a Christian, I went, I'm not nothing like Elijah. Here's this bold prophet with God's power flowing through his hands. Miracles, strength, signs, wonders. But the Bible said that there is no difference between he and you. He has experiences like you do. He juggles with discouragement, discontentment, frustrations, insufficiencies, inadequacies, insecurities, his own weaknesses, his tendencies to depression. But he prayed and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain over the land of Israel for three and a half years. And he prayed again and it gave forth rain. Most of us feel like we do not pray enough. Many of us feel like when we do pray, It's hit or miss. It's hard to open up a conversation with someone and say, I don't think I'm 
Now, I'm not talking about communal prayer where we're just talking to the Lord and worshiping the Lord. I mean petitions, asking something of God and getting the things that we ask that we need. And in on one extreme, there are Pentecostal charismatic teachers and preachers, and it's not limited to that. They give you formulas for getting what you need from God. And there are no formulas in the Word of God. There are patterns. And God gives us stories, biographies, sketches, incidents of people who pray, who got their prayer answered, and we would do good to glean from those stories. John, I don't know if this is me or not. It may be the ear, but this speaker is hissing real bad, or is that just the ear? It keeps going like, shh, and that's my good ear. That's my good ear here, so. Does anybody here say, I'm not, I'm not satisfied with the petition and results part of my prayer life? It's to you I want to speak this morning. I want to talk to you for a few moments on the confidence and the power and the results of prayer. And maybe there'll be one adjustment you can make in your devotional life that'll turn your prayer life around to where you'll see the results that men like this in the Bible saw. And this is the last thing I want to tell you before I prayed. God said there's no difference in you and him. You got to get that. He's just like you. And he was so bold in his prayer. He received such unmistakable results. And he's just like you. I want that to get in your spirit. It's just like you. When you pray, God is not a respecter of persons. He honors how we come and he honors who comes. But there's no, well, Elijah was a gifted prayer. He's just like you. I want to raise our expectation in our prayer life so we can see incredible things from the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, I ask you this morning, knowing that you're watching over me right now and listening to me, I pray, O oh Lord, that you would give me clarity of thought and mind and that you would anoint my words that I could speak on this subject of prayer with such an unction and such a simplicity that we would leave with information prevalent and pertinent for us. We could make adjustments in how we pray and when we pray and where we pray. And we might see answers, not so we can just get our things checked off the list, but that we might walk more closely with you, believing that whatsoever things we desire when we pray, if we believe we receive them, we can have them. And I thank you in advance for what you're going to do this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Number one, what I want you to notice about Elijah was he prayed from the right position. In 1 Kings 17, he said these words when he first presented himself before King Ahab. He said, as the Lord liveth... Before whom I stand. As the Lord liveth. Before whom I stand. My life is in, in the awareness. I spend my life in the awareness of not only that God exists. But he's alive to me. And I live in his shadow. In him I live, move and have my being. I'm not praying to a distant God. I'm communing with a God that abides with me. As the Lord liveth before whom I stand. He prayed from a position of faith. Not wavering, is God there? 
Listen, I, I love the old hymns. I miss the old hymns. I was glad we opened with that chorus. I, I love them, but some of them weren't doctrinally correct. Just like some of the choruses now are not doctrinally correct. There was a hymn that said, when I kneel in prayer, I hope to meet you there. Hope? Like Jesus might not be in? Hope? The line's busy. He's, Jesus said to get back with him later. Somebody else is talking to him, and the little red lights lit up, and he'll plug you in when they're done. Elijah not only prayed from a position of, of, of faith, but true faith. That when I call upon the name of the Lord, God hears me. I'm not hoping. I'm not waiting on a feeling that God's there. The Lord liveth and I stand before him and he watches over me. And the righteous cry and the Lord hears them and delivers them out of all their troubles. You didn't hear me? All their troubles. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers us out of them all. He said, the Lord's alive and he's attentive to me when I talk to him. He prayed from relationship. Elijah prayed from relationship, and this was before Jesus died for his sins. He didn't have the Holy Spirit as we do. He never had the clean conscience. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 10, 9, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest of holies by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with full assurance of faith. Full assurance of faith. Elijah didn't pray like, well, Lord, if it's your will, hopefully, maybe, one day, someday, if you can, do something, amen. He knew God was there. He knew God was in. He knew he was in. And he knew God was attentive to him. He prayed from a position of consecration. He didn't look like the world he lived in. He didn't sound like the world. He wasn't playing on his iPod what the world was playing. Oh, I hit something then, didn't I? He wasn't confused. He didn't smell like the club. He didn't have anything in his back pocket he would need to hide. He, didn't need, he did not need to clear up his phone. He lived a consecrated, separated life. He wasn't perfect, but his heart was perfect. And he lived differently in the world. He played from a, prayed from a position of nearness. Not only was God near to him, but he was near to God. And he, played, he prayed from a current position. He prayed from a current position. See, you, you don't have time to restore your relationship when crisis hits. He was ready when it was time to pray. I love being near the Lord, not just him near to me. So when I go to pray, I don't have to patch things up. And he prayed from a position of right priorities. He had said before when he asked God to send the fire, he said that they may know that there's a God in Israel. I want you to do this, Lord, not to validate my ministry. See, when we pray over this house, we're not asking God to make Christ's chapel great in the eyes of people. We want them to know there's a God in Macon, a healer in Macon, power in Macon, health restoration in Macon. And his prayers were answered because his prayers were for the glory of God, not his own comfort. And many of us are frustrated in our personal life because the true motive of our prayer is comfort, not cause. Let me give you an example. My little Olivia was sick this week and we had to take her to the doctor. And I thank God they've been so healthy, so healthy almost these nine months. 
And I laid hands over her and I prayed over her and I wept over her. And I wasn't asking, well, of course, it's so my babies would be well. But from my spirit, I said, for your glory. It's not just so my girl's not sick because the man in me, I, I pray this all the time. I said, give it to me, Father. In the same way you took my sins and my sicknesses, I'll take hers, dump it on me. That's the father part. But my spirit says, but what transcends that? Let my children be healthy, not so we don't have to go to the doctor. For your glory's sake. Let people look on my family and go, glory, glory. Let them look at the countenance of my wife and say, glory. Let them look at our pictures and say, glory. It's not so our life can be easy but for your glory, that they may know that you reside in us. Elijah prayed from the proper position. As the Lord liveth, God lives and I live. He lives in me, I live in him. I live near him, I live consecrated to him, I live close to him, and my prayers focus around the glory of God. I could quit right then, I done preached. Yeah, I'm preaching better than y'all was amen, but that's okay. Number two, Elijah prayed from a secure foundation. His prayer was based on the word of God. This is probably one of my favorite points of the message. It said in James 5, 17, that he prayed that it might not rain and no rain fell upon the earth for the three and a half years. But what you might not know is in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 16, it says this, take heed to yourselves that your heart be not deceived and turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. And then the Lord's wrath would be kindled against you and God would shut up heaven that there be no rain and the land would not yield her fruit unless you perish quickly from the good land which the Lord gave you. Elijah was sent as a prophet to Israel and Israel had turned a whoring after other gods and turned away from God and he remembered what God said in Deuteronomy and he stood on the word of God and said, you said if a nation turned against you, you would take away the temporal things to bring an eternal change. And I'm standing on your word asking you to shut up the heavens. When you pray what God has promised, heaven moves. We want magic. We want to just speak something and confess something. Well, you can speak to you black out. And God's not bound to that, but his word, thy word is forever settled in heaven. And he was standing on the word of God, praying the word of God, and he received the power of God as a result. Let me give you another prayer. And he prayed again that the heaven would give forth rain. First Kings 18.1, which came before James 5, said this. And it came to pass that after many days that the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord came to Elijah saying, go show yourself to Ahab and I'll send rain upon the earth. So he got God's word on it, went before the king who was looking to kill him, standing on God's word, not afraid of the king. And he prayed that God would send forth rain. Now listen to me. If you've got God's word on something, if you've got God's word on it, then you've got God's character backing it. Now, I'm not talking about fishing for a scripture and taking it out of context, but listen to your pastor this morning. Those of you with unsaved loved ones, whether it's spouse, children, parent, close relatives, where are you? Hold your hand up while I tell you this. Listen. 
This is the will of him that sent me, Jesus said, that none should perish. None. I mean, if you don't have nothing else, you stand on that word and you said, my baby falls under none. I'm standing on it. Nothing wavering. This was going to mean the death of Elijah when he came before the king. But because if, if you study out the story, the king had sent battalions of soldiers looking to kill Elijah. And all he had was go you show yourself to the king and I'll send rain. It's easy to pray for rain when God's promised rain. And we're so caught up on our lost loved one and how they're living and what they're doing and how they're dressing and what, how they're spending the weekend that we think their choices are more powerful than the promise of God. I thank the Lord publicly for a mother that could look me and all the hell that surrounded my life square in the face and stand on God's words. That, but you promised me my house as well. And I believe that none should perish applies to my boy. So I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it sounds like. I don't care what it smells like or acts like. John is going to worship Jesus Christ, the Lord. So it is with you. And see, God gives some words directly and some in our spirit. There are people in this room today, you're wrestling with loneliness and you just, you just want someone to share your life with. And you say, well, well, what if I'm one that God doesn't want me to have someone? Well, here's how you find out. First of all, the Bible said God grants you the desire of your heart, the righteous person. Well, does that mean he answers the desire? Or does it mean he gave us the desire? It don't matter. I would pray this way. You know what's best for me. And you told me when you created Adam, you said that it wasn't good for a man to be alone. Now, I'm not running out, finding me a man by Tuesday. I'm not finding me a woman. But I'm going to take that scripture. And I'm going to claim your intention of good over my life. Okay, watch. I'm claiming the promise and yielding to your sovereignty. But I'm not coming off the promise. It's not good for me to be alone. And I don't want someone. I don't want a good one. I want the one. And you pray in faith. You pray in faith. If you have God's word on it, you've got God's character backing it. And the word of the Lord comes to you primarily in three ways. First of all, his written word. Secondly, by his Holy Spirit, the still small voice, visions, dreams, and sometimes by others. It could be a believer. God could speak through you through an unbeliever and maybe even an angel. But here's the litmus test. If any word from the Lord comes to you and you're wondering if it's God, it will never contradict his nature or his written word. It will never contradict his nature or his written word. Okay, Papa, in this hard economic time, and you're asking God to bless your family and take care of your family. First of all, you need to assess yourself. Are you being a good steward of the resources you have? Because moreover, it's required of a steward of God that he be found faithful. Am I spending my money wisely? Am I honoring you, O Lord, with the first fruits of my increase? Am I blessing others? Am I being generous? And once you have, 
you can stand on the promise. If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to them that ask him? You said, prove me, says the Lord, and see if I won't open up the windows of heaven. So father, in the same way you provide for me, I want to provide for my family and you would not call me to do something and not give me the wherewithal to do it. That's what Pharaoh did. Pharaoh said, make bricks and didn't give them straw. So as your servant, I'm asking you to help fulfill your plan for my life because you said of a man, he that does not provide for his family is worse than an infidel. So I'm standing and asking you to give me the capacity. I provide the work ethic. I hope you heard that. I provide the faithfulness and the diligence But promotion doesn't come from the east or the west. Promotion comes from the Lord. And I believe you for that promise. Elijah prayed from the right position and the right foundation. He prayed specifically. He prayed that it might not rain. And it rained not. Specific prayers receive specific results. Hannah prayed for a son and God gave her a Samuel. Paul prayed that an utterance of the door opening for him, an utterance of the gospel, and he wrote most of the New Testament. Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them. And that's why we're here today. Specific prayers receive specific answers. The disciples asked Jesus, they said, teach us to pray. And one of the first things he said was this, give us, that's who. This day, that's when. Our daily bread, that's what. He was teaching them, pray specifically. I remember when I lived over on Overlook and we had, right before I started this church, I was on the evangelistic field. And one of the things the Lord asked of me was that I not promote myself. I didn't have a flyer, a brochure. Uh, This was before internet. I didn't have a slick, a mailer. I just had a business card. And the Lord allowed me to give a business card if someone asked it. And evangelists starve to death if you don't promote yourself because you just don't know they're out there. And I was at home praying and I'm on the evangelistic field. I'm not preaching hardly at all. You know, six months had went by, I'd preached about twice and I was mad at God. I know you've never been mad and I know you've never prayed mad. I've prayed mad. You know how you do this? God, so and so and so and do it by Tuesday. If you can't do it by Tuesday, forget the whole thing. And God's like, bring an angel up. Come here, come here. Look at this. Watch this, watch this, watch it. Watch it. He'll do it again, watch it. I was praying and I was mad and here I am. I tell people I'm going on the evangelistic field and you step out in faith. Have you ever stepped out in faith and felt like you were being a possum for the Lord on an interstate? I'm going to step, step out for Jesus. Boom. Red Rover, Red Rover, send the 18-wheeler right over and just take you out. And I'm mad. I'm praying because people ask me, how's it going on the field? It's not. <laughs> I mean, I'm out there. I just ain't preaching. I'm just, I got a calendar though. Want to book me? You know. So I'm in my little sunroom and little did I know I was on holy ground. Do you know you can be in a place and God be there and you not even perceive it? So I prayed. I said, Father, I don't doubt you. I doubt me. Maybe I missed this. I don't know. But you said, any man like wisdom, let him ask of you. And you give Freely. You see my foundation? You see my relationship? So I'm praying like Elijah and I said, I just need to know. 
You said I'd hear a voice behind me saying, this is the way, walk in it. When you turn to the left and turn to the right, there's another foundation. So I'm just standing on scripture and scripture and scripture. And Father, I need a sign today. Not for sign's sake. Not just so I can play spiritual games. I need to know. I need to know so I can bring glory to you. Am I in your will? So, okay, Father. I opened up my calendar to see where the openings were, and they were all open. You know what I'm saying? And he's listening to me right now that I'm not exaggerating. I put my hand on a month in my little daytimer. See, these kids don't know what daytimer is. Anybody remember what daytimer was? Before you had your little phone, we had daytimers. They were expensive. The common people didn't have them. It was daytimer. You had your wall calendar, you know, from the, the, the car dealership, uh, car, uh, uh, car parts or something, but... We had the daytimer, and I opened up my little daytimer, and I put my hand on a month, and there was a two-week period, and I said, I'm asking you, Father, in the name of Jesus, for you to confirm your will to me, and as the Lord liveth while I was speaking, oh, that's a telephone for you young people. It, <laughs> it wasn't a song or a rap or a other world, it was a ring. When, yeah, it rained. And it happened to be cordless, but I remember when you had to wait, and if your friend's number had all the nines in it, you'd be there all day waiting on it to... So the phone rang. That's a whole nother sermon. The phone rang, my hand's on the calendar, and I had just stepped into the presence of the Lord. I kept my hand on the calendar. I walked over to the cordless phone. I said, hello? Uh, is this John Wood? I'm just shaking. I said, yes. My name's Pastor so-and-so. You don't know me. I'm from Milry, Alabama. Have you ever heard of Milry, Alabama? It is up the street from Buckatuna, Mississippi. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. Never been there before. Never been there since. He said, and a minister I know gave me your number. And I said, excuse me. Can I tell you what week you wanted? He said, pardon me? I said, it's one of these two weeks. And the phone went deathly silent. And he said, yes, it was. I'll take it. So we booked the thing. I hung up the phone. And my God encounter culminated. And I realized that I was just like Elijah. I could pray. And I could see his hand. And it's never about the thing. He wasn't booking me for the service. He was changing me for eternity. He was teaching me that if I have the foundation and I have the relationship, I can ask what a will. Now, God didn't have to honor that son. He could have waited and shown himself any amount of ways. See, we want prayer to change our circumstances. Prayer was not designed to change your circumstances. Prayer was designed to change you. And God changes your circumstances. Now, if I'd have tried that next day, okay, Lord, we're back in the same room at the same spot with the same song on and my hands on this calendar. He ain't gonna do it because he will not let you tie him into your little religious box. He wanted me to know that if the relationship was right and the request was right and the motive was right, even if it's specific, he can do it. 
He's God. He prayed passionately. It says he prayed earnestly and the heaven, that the heavens would give forth rain. Hannah prayed so passionately in the temple that Levi thought she was drunk. Daniel prayed so passionately that the principality over Persia personally fought his prayers. Blind Bartimaeus prayed so passionately that he was heard over the noise of a multitude. How passionate do you think Simon Peter's prayer was when he began to sink? He prayed like some of us in this building. We're so dignified and so formal and so dry. He'd been like, while he's sinking, would someone on the boat please throw me a line? Would you do that? That ain't how that man prayed. Hey, help me. Have you ever prayed like, save me. When's the last time you prayed so passionately that someone close to you would think you were intoxicated? We have watered down results because we have watered down prayers. And you can tie dramatic results to dramatic prayer. Now, God does not move because I get loud. I'm not talking about that. I mean heart's desire, yearning, longing. Elijah prayed earnestly that it would not give forth, that the heavens would give forth rain, and they did. There were these preachers in a conference room one day discussing the most powerful posture of prayer. And there's a telephone repairman there. Again, a line telephone illustration is a little older. He's working on the wall. One of the pastors said, the most powerful posture in prayer is kneeling. You must have a bench of some sort so you can kneel. It's symbolic of how Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. I don't know how he thought Jesus. I guess the picture of him praying on the rock is what he used. But, you know, this is the most powerful posture of prayer. Another one said, nonsense. The most powerful posture of prayer is facing the north because Zion is in the north. Hands crossed over one another, looking unto Zion, the city of the living God. Another one said, the most powerful posture of prayer is face down. Arms must be extended above the head. Nose must touch the carpet. It's a sign of humility. And they were just going on and on about the most powerful posture of prayer. <laughs> Telephone repairman, you know, just Billy Bob. He ain't nobody special. He's down there and he goes, he's working on anything. Hey, excuse me. I, I know y'all reverends and everything and cardinals and dioceses and all that stuff. But you know what the most powerful posture of prayer I found was? And they're sitting there at the little table and goes, well, go ahead. He goes, I was hanging upside down 45 feet from a phone line. That was the most powerful posture of prayer I ever had. It moved me. And some of you are cursing the most difficult season of your life. And God has brought you in the season not to destroy you, but to teach you how to passionately pray. Your life is on the line or your babies are on the line or your health is on the line or your, your children are on the line. You'll pray. You'll pray earnestly. Don't be embarrassed. Earnest prayer grabs the ear of God. He prayed in humility. Said he cast himself upon the earth and put his face between his knees. He humbled himself because he knew the majesty and holiness of God and he was aware of his own sins and failures. And we should have a boldness to come before the Lord with full assurance because of what Jesus has done. But we also ought to bow our head because we know what we've done. 
And there's a humility in prayer, not an arrogance, not an ignorance. He humbled himself because humility and answers to prayer are linked. Listen, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Humble yourself. It would be like this. Okay, I come boldly into the Lord's presence by the blood of Jesus. And I know what you did for me. And I know I've got the name. I've got the name. And I know who I am, Lord. And I just want to come before you and confess my failures and my sins. And I know what Jesus did for me. That's the only way I got access. But I want you to know that I'm not basing my prayer upon anything that I've ever done. I'm not coming before you better because I had a good week. See, that's idolatry. If I pray better when I've had a good week, then I think my goodness is the avenue that grabs his attention. Now, I must be consecrated, but my prayer is not effectual because it's good. It's because it's honest. And so I humble myself before you and I take a lowly place because if I humble myself in the sight of the Lord, then the Lord will lift me up. And Elijah prayed with confidence, but a humility. See, in front of others, he was confident. He wasn't putting a good face on it. He was confident. But then when he got alone, he put his face between his knees and he humbled himself. He prayed with great expectancy. And Elijah said to Ahab, get up and drink for there is a sound of the abundance of rain. And he said to his servant, go look toward the sea. We are to have expectancy when we hear from heaven, when we've come to God in an acceptable way. When what we are asking of God is in his will, when what we are asking is for the glory of God, when our own heart does not condemn us, when our faith is pure, constant, and unwavering, you can tell how sincere your prayer has been by how much you anticipate the answer. You have not prayed through until you have expectation. When you know that God has heard you, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we pray, he hears us. And if he hears us, we know we have the petition we've desired of him. We anticipate the answer by preparing for what we've prayed for. We praise him in advance for the thing to come. You start walking around thanking God for it. Say, God, I'm going to praise you now. You can do it later. Your credit's good with me. I praise you before it happens. I praise you for my spouse. I was in the den the other day with Isabel and Olivia, and I was just prophesying over them. I said, I, I speak over you. You're going to be a woman of God. Oh, you're going to love the scripture. You're going to love the songs of Zion, not the songs of this world. You're going to be a woman of faith and prayer and dignity and beauty. Already planning on it. Already planning on you praying for your husband to come. Already planning on it because I believe and as we believe, we have spoken, the Bible says. Great expectancy. Our expectancy is proven by the words of our mouth and the glow of our countenance. You can't say, well, I've done all I can do. Ain't nothing left to do now is pray. And, you know, all right. We, we want God to honor that and entrench that spirit in us. Our expectancy is highlighted when you have no plan B. I don't know who this is for, and I don't know specifically why the Lord gave it to me in my study. He said, your plan B is what's keeping you from his best. I know I expect for you to lead me because I don't have plans for no one else to lead me. I expect you to open a door because I'm, my days of knocking on doors and pulling up windows are over. 
You are my guide. You will instruct me and teach me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want for anything. You lead, Jesus. I'll follow. Great expectancy. He told Ahab, he said, get up. You better hurry because I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. Prayerful people hear things that other people don't hear. And some of you are frustrated because you're trying to get your carnal friends and family to hear what you hear and know what you know. And they're not listening. You got to learn how to walk by yourself and know what you know, what you've heard in your spirit. God told me he was going to do this and I'm not fretting over it. Well, if I was you, I'd be worried. That's the point. You ain't me. He prayed through obstacles. If our musician would come, please. He told him, he said, told the king, he said, I hear, I hear rain coming. Nobody else has heard it. Nobody else has seen it. He goes and puts his head between his knees. He's praying and he tells his servant, go look out toward the sea and see if you can see any rain coming. So he's already spoken something he's not seen. Now, his words aren't creating it, by the way. Don't listen to that hyper faith teaching that your words create. God creates. God creates. So he came back. The servant came back and said, there's nothing. What you mean nothing? There's nothing. There's got to be something. Go again. Obstacles like delay. Obstacles like bad news. Obstacles like the unbelief of the majority of the Israelites. The unbelief of the servant with him. The obstacle of his own doubts. The obstacle of nothing changing. Have you ever prayed for something and nothing change? He said, go again. So he, This ain't like go up right up here to the door. He walks out of town, up the hill, up over the mountain cliff, looking over the sea, walks all the way back. He said, how looks it? There's nothing. Go again. Because God doesn't give false hope. Go again. And some of you quit on the sixth time. And the answer was on the seventh. You gotta, when you pray, you got to pray through obstacles. You got to pray through delay, denial, disappointment, and the process. See, the process is what God uses to change you. The answer doesn't change you. It's the process. Elijah had pretty much made this statement. I'm staying here and you're going there till I see God's word fulfilled in my life. We ain't moving. I'm not moving. The issue is not, is God going to send rain? The issue is, is he God? And I, I, can't, I can't make him do anything. But I'm not going to be the reason he doesn't do it. So you keep looking and I'll keep praying because there's no quit in me. And if there's quit in you, you'll quit. If there's no quit in you, you will see the glory of God in your life. And finally, he jumped at the first signal that the answer was on his way. And finally, on the seventh time, the servant said, I see a little cloud the size of a man's hand. He comes back to him and he said, what do you see? He goes, prophet, this ain't much. But way off in the distance, there's a cloud that big. And that man jumped to his feet and he goes, that's what I've been waiting on. He grabs up his tunic. He runs 
past the chariot of the king, outruns him. He goes, oh, it's happened. It's happened. Prayerful people see things that other people don't see. Prayerful people know what other people don't know. And I'm, listen, I'm not, I'm not boasting or bragging at, at all. I, I, prayer is a more difficult thing for me than study. It's, it's one I have to work at. But when he told me I was going to have a family, when he told me, see, I'd stood and asked for a miracle before in front of you and it didn't happen. And we all worry about our reputation. And one of the keys to answered prayer is when you don't worry about your reputation, you just step out and believe what God has spoke to your spirit. And if, yes. For those of you visiting, I know some of you have already heard this, but may I just close with the details of my little girls one more time? He told me, you will not find your children. They'll find you. My wife said, what does that mean? I said, we're not going to find them. Now listen, my wife's a woman of faith, a woman of prayer, spiritful woman. But she didn't hear this. Have you ever had to trust somebody else with hearing from God and you wasn't the one that heard it? She said, so we're not going to go through an adoption agency? I said, no, they're going to find us. So if I make a mistake here, I have brought disappointment to the woman that I would go to hell for. All I know is what I knew. So we're at home. Every month we find out she's not pregnant. And every month my wife cries herself to sleep. And all I had was the promise. Then the phone rang one day. Just like it rang in my study at Overlook. And there was a lady that we saw twice a year. Who knew a lady I've never met. Who knew a lady we've never met. And the two people we never met were talking. And she was pregnant with twins and wasn't sure what she was going to do. Well, what if you found somebody to take them? Well, who would take them? Word got to us. Word got to them. We met. And after two meetings, she said, okay, I'll carry the children if you'll take them. So I'll take them. We went through the adoption process. And I know many people that were in God's will that went through it. And it was a hard process. Not one glitch. Nothing. And every day I go home, sometimes twice a day in the middle of the day, to hold Isabel and to hold Olivia. And one of the things I've taught my staff over and over, it's never about the thing. It's about God always keeps his word. Always. I told you they'd find you. And I can't wait to one day telling them the story. And telling them, you're adopted. Well, don't, don't think for a moment your mama didn't love you. She Here's a picture of us on the day you were born. Her in one rocker and us in the other. No, you're, you're highly favored. God brought you to us. You're our greatest miracle. And there are people here today struggling because you don't know that God's listening. Or you've quit it the sixth time. There is power in prayer. If you pray from the right relationship, the right foundation, on his word, pray through the obstacles, be tenacious, and when you see the first sign of it, jump on it and say, it's coming. And the heavens grew black with clouds. Elijah was running before the first drop fell. 
Start running, baby. God's about to do something. I don't know who this is for this morning. Start running, baby. I feel like preaching up in here. I, feel, I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time. I got 30 seconds before you go listen to me. I bought an SUV and traded in a Honda Accord, way better car. Half the gas mileage. Why? Babies were coming. Oh, you didn't have, no, I didn't have no babies. No, I didn't have no babies. We painted a nursery. We bought pictures. We bought furniture. I started running before they came, and my running didn't create the answer. Don't give me the credit. My running just proved that I believed the promise. So run. Run ahead. Proclaim the power of God, the majesty of God, the glory of God. If no one else has heard it, you heard it. Pray with confidence. Pray with boldness. And I pray by the time you get down the hill, you are soaked in the answer. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you. from the ground.